Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. So we've been talking about abundant grace. That's what Pastor Chris started off with. And we went ahead, we talked about inviting grace, justifying grace, sanctifying grace, and so many other graces. And so today, we are going to talk about enriching grace. How the grace of God transforms our finances and also our giving. Amen. So, our main passage will be taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 11. But before we dig into that, just for context purposes, I want us to go a chapter back. That is chapter 8. And in chapter 8, or both these chapters, we will realize that these were the two letters that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth about finances and about giving generously. And what we see here is that um, in chapter 8, Paul actually just wanted to inform them about the happenings at the time. But chapter 9 gives us a summary of what Paul wanted them to really hear what he was saying. Amen? So there are two things. It is to encourage the church to give generously. And the second one is for the church of Corinth to remember about the promised collections that they've made to the churches or to the people in Jerusalem that are poor. That was the other thing before his next visit to them. So let's then read quickly in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 to 7. So I see there. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealthy of generosity. In other translations, you will hear they say it welled up. It means that Whatever they were going through really got to that point where they didn't see the things that they were going through. All they could see is that they were filled with so much joy because of the grace of God that was on their lives. And further on in verse 3, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means or beyond their abilities of the their abilities, my eyes are not good, um, of their own, yes, accordingly, of their own accord, yes, of their own accord, my apologies, I can't see properly, <laughs> it's too far, I will use my notes. Accordingly, yes. So we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace. In other translations it says, see that you excel in the grace of giving. 
that is the most important thing that we need to take note of specifically for this part also. So Paul really wanted the church of Corinth to get this. He tried to explain to them that, look guys, amidst the trouble that the churches of Macedonia was going through, they managed to put a collection together. They managed out of their own. Nobody helped them. Not even other churches helped them. They, the three churches of Macedonia being the church of Philippi, the church of Thessalonica, and the church of Berea. Those three were the ones who came together. These were people that were going through a difficult time of persecution, trials, afflictions. They were detested. They were ostracized socially and economically. But yet, they came together. They organized themselves. And they gave according to their own means. What they had was not even really enough because they were extremely, exceedingly poor. So poor that in fact this poverty totally changed into so overflowing joy and then created some rich generosity. And they gave from that place of overflowing joy. And that is very important for us to, to take note. And I was asking myself, but looking at our own condition here, we are also going through difficulties economically, isn't it? But obviously, our difficulties are not in close proximity to what these three churches were going through. Not at all. Here we are. How many of our churches in this country rallied together to take care of the needs of those that are affected by the economy? How many? Never mind you and me. Just taking care of a child that has no parents. How many of us do that? Instead, we are probably overwhelmed by our own challenges that we don't even see the small opportunities that God is giving to us or opening the doors for us. Our problems, our challenges, and so many others are overwhelming. But here you have a church that was so poor, not even having most of the basic necessity. Their wealth was taken by the Romans. They took everything after they've conquered the homeland that they were in during the times of Alexander the Great. They took everything, but yet they could organize themselves. They could collect. And the balance was they gave out of their means, but they also took care of their own. They didn't give everything that they could not now live by, nothing, they still took care of their own. Amen? So much so that they were actually begging. If we go to verse 5, we will see. Um, no, no. Verse 5. We finish reading. We, when we go to verse 5, we will see, it is saying that, and this, what they gave, is something bigger than what was expected, beyond their ability. And that is what the grace of God does. They didn't even know these poor people in Jerusalem. They didn't know them. They've never seen them. They only make use of that opportunity that God presented to them because of the grace. And because of the grace of God, many a times, God empowers us 
to see these opportunities. God empowers us to create wealth. He empowers us to even help with skills that we have beyond what we have now. He helps us also in such a way that his grace abounds even in times where you feel that you cannot. Then what Jesus did for us on the cross because of that grace, he comes and lifts you up and strengthens you to then do what you have to do. Amen. Another thing that I also wanted to point out for, from this church is that they had so, so much zeal. They just wanted to give. They just wanted to bless. But I mean, when, when we look at ourselves, it's really just the grace of God that makes people to just want to give at all times, more and more and more. You don't get tired of giving. Nothing else that does that with us. I mean, who, who does really beg? Who goes around and beg to give? I want to give. I want to give. And this is what these guys were doing. They were begging. Can we be part of this initiative? Please, can we be? So for me, that really stood out, and that is just the grace of God. And also because they gave themselves to the Lord. That was important. Because without the Lord, we are not able. We can do nothing without him. Amen? So, now as we're going to our main verse for, that, for, for, for this specific enriching grace that we're looking at, Paul started off this specific verse with a conclusion in mind that he had after he explained to the church of Corinth what the churches of Macedonia did. He started off by saying, Church of Corinth, the point is this. Do you not get it? Did you hear what the Macedonian churches did? What is it that you don't get? If only you can get this. Because in this time already, Titus was being reminded that which you have started, please complete that task that you have started. If only they could labanum, get hold of that which happened to the church of Macedonia. Nobody needed to remind anybody to do good. We don't need to wait until something happened for us to do something. We don't need to be asked in this church. Victory every nation. We have 20 children that need sponsorship. Or we care. We need to build a food pyramid or a storage house. We don't need to be reminded just because of the grace of God that abounds in us, we need to see and do. We need to come together collectively and help those that are afflicted by the economic crisis that we are faced with. Oh yes, I'm probably also speaking very, very easy, isn't it? <laughs> it is so wonderful to see what Paul was trying to get to them. Get this thing. Get, get it. Once you have it, you will know. And so he went further, verses 6 and 7, and he said, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully 
will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in their heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this is the thing that Paul was trying to explain to the Macedonians. Guys, if you get these things, remember whatever you are going to give now, and you give little, you are going to get back little. Take note of that. So in whatever we do also, it is important to think about what we want to give, how we want to give, to whom we want to give. And it would not help us to give to people that we know or people that are in closest to us or people that we like because there's no credit in that. It is just as good as, as if I did not even give anything. We need to go to those that are rejected. We need to build nations with our giving. We need to start putting up schools and centers for rehabilitation and all of these things. Those are things that we need to be doing. We need to graduate from maybe sponsoring one child that doesn't have a parent to having foster children that now and then comes to your house. Come closer to these people that are extremely, extremely difficult conditions. And we need to see how God is going to bless us in that. So giving is a private gesture, I guess. It's not a public thing. I mean, I will not be giving to people and go around, oh, I gave to who and I gave to. It's a private matter. Because the word of God also reminds us that as you're giving to the needy, make sure that your left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Amen? So when we give, let's not go to the newspaper. Oh, it's okay, man for businesses, maybe for promotion and marketing, and I don't know what else. But let's give in secret and give amply, supplying in the needs of these people according to the way how God wants us to do. So, but if we also give bountifully, obviously we will be expecting a bountiful harvest. Because the word of God also says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. What measure are we giving to? What kind of measure are we giving? Press down. If you take flour, flour is such a beautiful example of looking at how a measure is pressed down in that cup. When you're measuring flour, when you're baking, you know, you put in the flour and you shake <laughs> the cup a bit so that the, the flour can sit well in that cup. And even if, if you flow in such a way that there is an overflow, so you will take a knife and you will scratch it nicely, but you press it down. That's the only good example I could see. I said, Lord, flour has got such small, small ingredients that you can't even see. You know, I'm just thinking over thousands and millions pieces of, you know, grain or whatever that is in there. So I throw in and I press down them in nicely and I shake the cup and I take my knife and I clean it nicely and so I can use it. Yes, we need to expect. So, as we go and as we give, we need to look at different postures or different positions that we take. That position is not me right standing here, it's our hearts, not the way how we give. It is important. So there are three areas that we've mentioned there. You know, this feeling of, of I got to give. Doesn't matter what I 
got to give. Out of obligation, offerings and tithes. You feel obliged to give. Alms. You feel obliged to give to a guy that is sitting on the street corner. Do you feel obliged to give? Or do you feel compelled to give? What is it that goes around in your heart when that part comes to the front, when God revealed that part, why we, should why we should be giving? And if we give out of obligation and compulsion, there is no joy in that. And I mean, God has blessed us so much, we are not even experiencing any extreme poverty, really. But yet, our hearts are so... Mm, this giving doesn't sit well with me. But I got to give. I got to give so that people can see that I have given. And after giving, you sit with regrets. You sit with regrets. Oh, that was actually I, my last. I was not supposed to give. But now just look where I am. It's out of compulsion. You didn't think it through. You need to think how you are giving. You need to plan how you are giving. God wants us to do that. As much as he says that we must give, he also wants us to plan our giving. And then obviously, there are the other people that say that, ah, no, me, I'll just give to get. I don't give for free. My agenda is there must be an investment. So my investment is such that when I give you, I want you to depend on me. Yours is to depend on me. You can't do nothing with me. You must depend on me. That is my return friendship. I want you to ever when you have a problem. Or I want to control people's lives with giving. And so we bring hopelessness in our giving. And not hope when we do that. So all the time you are expecting something in return. Oh, I never knew. I thought it was just your heart. Well, if our hearts are not well aligned with the principles of the grace of giving, in vain we are giving. And if we want to really just have returns all the time, then yes, on this earth, we have our return. But internal implications, the inheritance of the kingdom of God in heaven, what about that? So when we give, we need to think both. We cannot just be thinking, I'm giving because of the earthly investments. I'm giving also for both earthly and the eternal investment. That's what I'm doing. So that lives can be changed, transformed. So that nations are built. So that when we put up centers here, people that, that have problems can come and they go through programs that we have here and they are taught how to live by grace. Things are happening and when we give, be it now to campus ministries or church planting or our missionaries that are out there, we give to them with that heart that is rejoicing all the time. So if we give to want to always put a tag on our investment, we need to watch out for a greedy heart because that leads to greediness. And we don't want to be reminded by the Lord that after this rich man who was blessed so much bountifully at such a big harvest, he decided when the harvest came, he's going to break down the barn and he's going to extend it more so that he can keep the harvest there. And so what did the Lord say to him? You fool, 
your life. We don't want to get there. We want to give because we believe it is the grace of God that produces in us the power to create wealth. We are a conduit. We are just there to receive. These things that we have are not ours. We came with nothing in this earth. So God wants us, as much as we are receiving, to be conduits. He's the source of our lives. We are the ones getting the resources from him to source his kingdom, to source his people. It is not for us to hold because we are given these things for free. And so why can we not give them also for free? And the more we give, the more we gain anyway. What a good investment to borrow to the people of God. We are directly borrowing to him. Amen. God loves a cheerful giver. And the last one is grace to give. That is the most important one for us tonight. And remember what Paul was trying to explain to this church of Corinth, where he said that, I've heard about you, people of Corinth, but you know what? In everything that you do, in everything that you are excelling, I heard you are excelling in faith. I heard you are excelling in speech in knowledge, in all earnestness. You are excelling in all of this, even in our love for you. But then why don't you stand still a bit and try and see whether you cannot excel in giving. The act of grace in giving. Try that one out and see if you can't excel in that. And this is where God is actually challenging us also. And yes, <laughs> we do so many things. So many things. But yet, the grace of giving, we neglect so much. And we choose, when God says 50,000, we choose, oh God, you can't just come and tell me 50,000, I also have this and that. That's what we do. But what Paul wanted to see here is, for them to get it and Labano, get hold of it, grasp it, and do excel in the grace of giving. And so as we go, the second point that also I think we can touch on is grace of giving. And we're reading in Second Corinthians 9 verse 8. And for me, this is really the principal verse of giving. It summarizes it so well. And it says that, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. So what makes you now think that by God asking your 50,000, he cannot replenish that after you have given? That is because we do not trust his promises. That is because we do not take him face value on his word. Hence, we are struggling in giving those 50,000. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. We are created for good works. No doubt about it. We are God's workmanship. That is what God has created us for. So, and as we're giving, giving is really taxing. It is taxing. I mean, I'm not going to run away and tell you all wonderful stories about giving without also telling you how taxing it is 
to give. But as much as it is taxing, God is the supplier. He is the supplier and he will replenish that which we have given and give us a heart of contentment. He will do that. So, the all sufficiency and all contentment happens in everything. You know, remember when Paul was in Philippine, when he was trying to explain to the church, defending his case, that guys, I'm not coming really to take your money. I'm not coming to do that. I know what it means to have and not to have. I know what it is to live in plenty and in less. I know all these things. I'm not coming to really take from you. But you know what it is that I'm seeing here is the gift of the grace of giving. That has credited his account. That is what he was looking at. The gift that these people of Thessalonica had in giving, that is the thing that he was after. Uh, Philippi, that is the thing that he was after. Not necessarily their money. I mean, what kind of a father anyway comes and asks from their children? Yeah? So is the father not supposed to put down and put away for the children? Is it not supposed to be like that? Yes, it's supposed to be like that. So he felt so fully supplied and he was even, you know, encouraging them and admonishing them and even sort of bragging that, guys, you were the only ones, you know, all these churches, you were the only ones really that, uh, that put some credit on my account. I'm fully supplied. I have no lack. You can just imagine if in our giving, God is constantly crediting our, our accounts. Such a wonderful thing. So when we give, let's take that example of the Macedonian churches and give above our abilities within our means at our own accord, not being forced, not being asked, not being told. Let's go and see and look out for opportunities to give to the people of God. And I'm reminded by the widow's offering, the old lady that came in while all these rich people obviously sitting there, I guess like we are sitting here now, it's time for offerings, and there comes everybody tied up, well-dressed. You could see these are tycoons, these are people with money. <laughs> and there comes old lady from the back, probably also bended, walking, and she only had two coins. And she threw those two coins into the basket. And you know what the Lord said? You know what? The Lord saw her heart. It was the heart. He actually said that she gave more than all of them put together. Yeah. And I'm just thinking how many millions went into those baskets because these are people that love sitting in the front of the chairs and want to be seen all the time. I'm not saying it's a pastor's. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. These are people, you know, you know how it goes, the rich people, you know, when they, 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 they get hold of you, they don't let go, you know, everything. They must be seen, you know, the way how they walk, how they come and drop their monies in there. Everybody must see how my sheets are falling in the basket. And here comes this old lady, and I think she was even ashamed of her two coins that she had. And she put her hand deep down into that basket 
so that it doesn't make a noise <laughs> and so that nobody sees. And so she puts them in. But you know what? Those two coins were not even equated closely to what the rich people gave because her heart was in the right place. It doesn't matter whether you give from a place of lack or abundance. What matters is the heart. Even me, if I give from a place of abundance and my heart is not okay, Lord have mercy on me. It's just as good as I have not given, I've wasted my money and God's money for that matter. So her heart really went out. And that is what God says, uh, God saw. And all times and all things, when you look at that verse, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, no lack. No lack. If only we can labano that. If only we can receive that and understand that we shall not lack. And that is why he is our shepherd. He looks after us so that we don't need to lack anything. And so, these guys did not even have anything. I mean, people that are afflicted and persecuted and so extremely, exceedingly poor, they really understood the grace that was upon them. They understood that. That's why they could say that Paul could say to the church of Corinth by referring to the churches of Macedonia that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And so that I went there. But because they gave God, blessed their hearts with contentment. He blessed their hearts with contentment. And I'm again reminded by Elijah and the widow of Zaraf, Zarephath. <laughs> the widow of Zarephath, who only had one jug of oil and a container of flour. That's all she had left. And I mean, here she was after God commanded Elijah to go because He's brooked right up, so he had to go somewhere else where God had made sure that somebody will supply in all his needs. And it was this woman who only had a jug of oil and a container of flour. I mean, she was busy there when he got to the gates there of the town or the area where uh, the, the widow stays. He got there and he saw her picking sticks to go and make food for herself and her son. The last meal she actually thought for the day before they die. And Elijah, I could imagine Elijah must have been very in his later ages. And he sits right there and he says, Lady, can you please give me a glass of water? And she thought, oh, yeah, that I can do. And so she said, yes, yes, I'll run and go. While she was on her way, she said, hi, lady, and Ed, a piece of bread. Lord, 
my last meal, sir, with all due respect, I don't have bread. I only have a jug of oil and a container of flour. And that's all I have. In fact, I'm now on my way to go and prepare our last meal before we die. And so he said, no, 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 no. By all means, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Do not be afraid. Go ahead. And as you go, bake for me <laughs> the cake and bring it before you prepare something for yourself. Oh, and here you are thinking, man, I only have enough for myself and my son. So, Uncle Elijah, you are now asking something impossible. And so she left because she got a word of assurance. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So she went based on that word. And she prepared the bread for Elijah, brought the glass of water. Obviously, gratefully, he said, thank you very much. Now you can go and prepare for yourself and for your son. And as you do, remember that your jug of oil will never run dry, nor your, the container of your flour run out. I mean, really, I was so taken by this, how she, on one word, based on that one word, went, how else does God expect us to do good works if he doesn't give us the grace? Because he has created us for those good works. The lady was created specifically also to take care of that part. How else, Lord, my last? Let's take God on his word. Like this lady did. And she did the good work. She did the good work. So God will give us everything that we need at all times so that we may abound in every good work. So these good works that we have to do have lasting impacts. These good works are good works that will transform lives, that will bring more people into the kingdom of God. People will see God's goodness and kindness through you. And as a result, this kindness will overtake them and bring them to repentance. I mean, if we miss that, if we miss that, let's not miss it. So, enriching grace enriches. To the receiver today, there is this word in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 9, that says that he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Generosity and compassion is the hallmark of wise living. There is no doubt about that. God has given already for us. And because he has given his son to us, he has made us righteous. When we were still in our sins, he came. When we were dying in our own transgressions, you know, he came and he gave himself for us. So as we give, let's remember that God's grace must work powerfully in our lives so that nobody amongst us 
lacks or is in need and we don't see that. To the giver, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, Know that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, all times you may abound to do the good work that he has created you for. Don't think and feel that, oh God, if I give, what about me? Think about the churches of Macedonia who were so extremely poor but they could give out of their own means. Beyond their abilities, they gave. So God promised us already in Philippians 4 verse 19 that he will supply in all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. So, And I trust tonight that our hearts and our minds and our eyes are transformed to see the grace of giving from a different perspective. And that we also show gratitude towards what God is doing. The people were showing a lot of gratitude. You can just imagine by us giving to the people, not only those that belong to the faith, but everybody else who doesn't even, how much thanksgiving goes up. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only about supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. You know, people that will be praying, Lord, connect me more to other people that I can give because somebody else showed kindness to me. Somebody else gave to me. And as we are giving even to the church, we have a lot of things that must be done. We have our missionaries that are on campus. We have our full-time staff that are also here that needs to be kept in ministry. If we don't go ourselves, then let's keep those that are going. Let's keep them to do the work of the Lord right where they should be. There's a lot of church planting that is taking place or that should still take place. We need to give to so that God can be glorified out of that. So lives will have to be transformed when we give. There should be an impact in some or the other way because of our giving. So and as we give, let's know and understand that God is with us. We are not our all by ourselves. He gave us the grace so that we can create wealth, so that we can see opportunities, so that we can give in abundance. Yeah? And in conclusion, the Bible teaches us that the God kind of giving is one that is a grace giving. And as we also know and see that in all sufficiency, in all things and at all times, we will abound in every good work because God has given all that we need. Everything that we need is with us, is within us, for Christ lives in us. And he will be honored by our giving as a result of that. Amen? Let's stand.
as we heard the message on the grace of giving tonight, I really just feel that um, God is going to transform our giving. He's going to touch the way how we give. And we will not give out of compulsion. We will also not give because we feel obliged. But we will give because he has given. God has given his son first to us because he loved us. He loved us so much so that he says that his grace is sufficient. No matter what it is that we are faced with financially, no matter what it is that we are going through, God's grace abounds in you. All sufficiency in all things and at all times. Do not fear when you, after today, start experiencing an acceleration of the grace of giving. Know that the Lord has created an open door for you to reach out to one or two so that your kindness and your goodness by which God is using you can bring those whom you are showing grace through your giving to him. Don't be afraid. Like Elijah said to the widow, don't be afraid. Give and be excited about giving. Be excited about giving. Graced that is full of, of, of giving is what the Lord wants us to do. He will supply in all your needs. No doubt about that. He will do it because he said so. He will supply. Just open your eyes eyes, be on the lookout for those opportunities, be on the lookout for God's people that needs an intervention in one or the other way. And as we are giving for those that have social institutions at their hearts where they are believing God for a lot of money to put structures in place as we build this nation, Trust God. Don't be afraid. Don't look at the amounts and think, oh God, this is too big. I can't even get to it. Just trust God. He will supply in all that because it is his will that his people must come to him. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you, Lord. We just want to honor you. We just want to give you all the glory and all the praise. Father, we thank you that you are indeed our source. We thank you, Father, that because of your grace, we are what we are, and we have become what we have become. You have empowered us through your grace, O oh God, to live lives that are pleasing unto you. And as we give, O oh God, let our giving be a fragrant before you, Father God, acceptable, an offering, O oh Lord, O oh my God, that you will be pleased for, oh God. We thank you, Lord, for the power to create wealth. We thank you for the power to see opportunities to give into your kingdom. We thank you, Father God, that we, we will not shy away, oh God, 
when we experience an acceleration of the grace of giving. We thank you, Father, that as much as we've been excelling in so many things, oh God, that you have reminded us tonight that we should excel in the grace of giving. And as we give, oh God, that we will not feel burdened, that we will give from a place of overflowing joy, unspeakable, oh God. Father, we thank you that you are indeed our God. Your promises are not yes and no. They are all just yes. And we thank you for that, King of Glory. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.